Hey, welcome to Real Life Horsemanship, where we go behind the scenes of the horse industry and talk to equine professionals about what it takes to make it in the horse world. This week, we're changing things up by interviewing one of our hosts. This week, we're interviewing me, Meg. I'm a recent college graduate, and I'm looking forward to entering the dressage world with the horsemanship I've had the pleasure to learn these last few years. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Real Horsemanship Podcast. I said it wrong. It's for yep. real. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. We are keeping this in here. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Real Life Horsemanship Podcast. This is Anna speaking, and uh, today we are interviewing, actually, our producer, Meg. Hi, I don't know what makes me a producer, but here I am. <laughs> it sounds cool. You are the brain behind the whole operation. It's, it's I don't true. know how to, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that on the brains. <laughs> you are. Hi, I'm Meg. <laughs> Hi, Meg. Hi. All right. So starting, we like to start with a little throwback, if you will. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you got into horses in the first place, Meg. And oh. we'll just like start from there. Like, what was your introduction to the horse industry like? So this is kind of, I'll try and keep this not super long-winded. So it kind of starts with my great-grandfather, actually. He uh, raised Morgans when I was, or right. obviously way before I was born, but he was raising Morgans and he didn't have like a huge operation. It was more his personal thing that he did. And I I think my grandma kind of got into it, but she wasn't super invested with it. Like she had some horses, but it wasn't really her thing. And um, then my mom got really into horses but she didn't have any lessons like she was totally self-taught just kind of learned from her grandfather and learned from her mom and then when i came around i was obsessed with horses thank you the spirit movie um yeah <laughs> that is insert literally... spirit stallion of the Cimarron. <laughs> how can i not um it's my favorite movie it's the greatest uh, movie of all time <laughs> that is accurate oh um, <laughs> so uh then um i was i was riding this like little pony that my mom had and then um as i was getting older she started to realize oh this little girl is like obsessed with horses and she didn't and she knew she couldn't really teach me how to ride mm-hmm. like she could get me on a horse but she didn't really know how to teach me how to ride so she started getting me lessons when i was about eight seven or eight and i went through a couple of different people before i found this one person and i took lessons with her for like four or five years or something um down the road um i left that place and then i was kind of just in this interim where i was trail riding a lot and then i in 2011 i discovered the buck Brandman movie <laughs> which introduced me to natural horsemanship and then at the same time i started getting into dressage so i was like learning natural horsemanship alongside uh doing dressage lessons for about three years and then moved to montana to go learn more about horsemanship and finished up my college degree and now I'm wanting to get into breeding of any horses but I want to only do the dressage side of things (laughs) (laughs) and that's where we're at in life now (laughs) boom Meg knows how to do an overview yeah that was was extremely succinct compared to the three of us (laughs) yeah I was like well one time I rode this one horse (laughs) Meg's like boom 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 I was trying hard. I thought about this. <laughs> okay, so now you're fresh out of college, correct? When did you 
college when did college end for you tell tell the listeners meg literally okay so right now what's today like january 6th or something uh literally like two or three weeks ago congratulations <laughs> meg <laughs> and now i'm kind of in this interim where i'm like well i'm trying to figure out where to go from here because i'm kind of in a spot where there's not really any uh job opportunities with horses right Basically, my plan is to follow Ava where she goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Utah was asking me yesterday, uh, are you going to miss Meg whenever, you know, if we move one day? And I was like, I'm like 99% sure she's coming wherever we go. So, no. <laughs> yeah, that is 100% That's so true. funny. <laughs> I don't think I'll miss her when she's our neighbor. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully it will be within 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. that would be warning. You're going to like roll up to wherever your new house is and you're going to open the back of the U-Haul and I'm going to be sitting in there on your <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, I'm renting a room. Psych, <laughs> so, uh, all, all three, or both of you, both the Data and Anna are going to be at the back of my U-Haul. <laughs> Dude, do it. Do it. We could all record the podcast in the same state. <laughs> the same freaking time zone. Like freaking real podcast. Yeah. That'd be epic. <laughs> Wouldn't have to deal with internet issues. That'd be awesome. Um, okay, Meg. Yeah. I know this has kind of been like a routine question, but I'm kind of curious because I've I've heard you talk about horses that are that have been difficult, but I really want to hear about one that was difficult, but you really worked through it and it changed the way you thought. Mm. Which one do I pick? Because there are definitely a couple of them. Um, I don't know. I Do I have to pick one? <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea of the question. <laughs> I mean, you could pick... But really, I mean, just think about it. Like, which which one really influenced you the the most? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick two that kind of I'm just like there's one that changed my mind, but that really gave me perspective. But I wasn't able to persevere with her. And it, there's this I'm not gonna go into super detail, but there's this horse that um, was super bucky with the saddle, and nothing I did could ever get her through the bucking issue. And so she ended up uh, getting rotated out of my like hands but um that was the moment where i realized that the methods that i've been learning weren't always super effective with the really difficult horses it was effective with the gentle horses the ones that didn't really give you any trouble and this summer i worked with a few different horses and there's this one little mustang that i worked with that was so touchy she didn't bronk but she was just so touchy and like for horsemanship, what I've been learning is uh, don't really take a firm hand, really try and teach them how to be soft by being soft and <clears throat> all of that stuff. And this horse was just like, you'd be riding her around and if you put your leg on her, she'd bolt off because she just like the, she just was so sensitive to your leg that I started having to ride with my leg on her all the time. And then I started having to be way more just in her space because she just, otherwise she just overreacted and it, that was the only way to really get her through. So I feel like it really changed my perspective on how to approach feel, which is yeah, come in with softness, but be there. Don't try and kind of be there. Don't have gray area. Just be there when you go in. And then when you're not in there, get out. 
That literally, you saying that literally just made me think about how I need to ride one of my own horses differently. <laughs> I know. I, when I heard that concept, I don't know, a few months ago, of like using more leg on the sensitive horses so they get used to it, that like, that was like, full mind blown. <laughs> Yeah, I, like I, I'm doing the same thing with my horse because yeah, he just he thought legs meant forward. <laughs> yeah, well, like it wasn't just she'd go forward a little bit. Like I mean, I'd put my leg on and she would take off running, yeah. and like I would have to like <laughs> literally crank her head around. Like she would literally bolt off. Like she's like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah, literally. And like she's just the one that taught me how to just like. I mean, if you had a if you have a duller horse that isn't like maybe don't be as heavy handed with them, but at least those right. ones that are way more sensitive. Like I always thought, oh, if they're sensitive, then try and preserve that, try and keep that in there. But then they're just reactive, is what they taught me. Right. They're not soft; they're just reactive. Right. There's such I a remember, difference. Yeah, I remember you telling me, and I don't know how many people I've passed this on to since then, Ava. But I remember talking about the difference between softness and lightness. Like yeah. I still come back to that so often of like the horse can be really really sensitive and reactive and like quote unquote light in your hands or whatever but they they're not truly soft unless they're relaxed and following the feel and everything and like that yeah. stuck with me so much did I say yeah. that yes that was <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah cool. That's a good point. I'm glad you reminded me of that <laughs> I remember talking about it with like the difference between Willie being soft but not necessarily light and then the other horse was Scout and he was really light without ever being very soft right oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay yes I I don't remember that conversation but I the difference between the two horses I now could see myself saying that yes. yeah <laughs> sorry random yeah. throwback yeah But yeah, so basically the gist is that horse just taught me so much about what feel can actually mean. I'm not saying it's the right definition, but it changed the definition of softness for me. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that's so cool. Right. (laughs) Okay. So you did an internship this last summer. It was your internship you needed to graduate from college. Mm -hmm. And I think that I had some interesting experiences getting internships while I was a college student and I've heard like great success stories and then you I've also heard horror stories from other people so like Meg can you give us all and the listeners some advice on if they're looking for a college internship like what to look mm-hmm. for what to avoid like what was important to you you know, just anything that stood out. So I've actually done two internships and the first one just sounded like the greatest deal of all time. Like I was going to be able to go cult starting and I was going to be able to uh, guide guests on rides and everything. And then when I got there, it just wasn't that at all. Like we were, I mean, I still had work and everything and I was getting paid really well. Don't get me wrong. Like it was a very well paying job, but the, the, experience the learning experience I was supposed to have wasn't there it wasn't offered to us and we were almost like shackled from being able to learn mm-hmm. and um like thinking back on it there were just so many red flags in that conversation of like how to ask this person that I interned for um well if I get if you weren't around and I get stuck on a problem can I go talk to my coworkers about this? Because theoretically there are people who should also know how to ride. That's who you're hiring. And she told me, no, just come directly to me. Like that should have been the immediate red flag. Just somebody who's really close-minded to any outside help and fearing 
anyone else knowing more than her. Mm. And then I went to this other internship and I'd kind of already had some baggage going in uh, with superiors. Like I was already kind of a little traumatized going in there. And the uh, this person that I interned for this summer was very much. You could say his name, I think. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was Mustang Matt who I. Matt, Matt Bishop. Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I interned with him and. Um, one of the things that I still think about to this day is it was towards the end of my internship. He turned to me and he was like, okay, so you've learned a lot of good things here. I'm like, I hope you learn some things. And I hope there's things that you'll take with you after you leave. I challenge you to go work for other people and learn from other people. Mm. And if, and if nothing else, maybe leave some stuff that you learned from me behind. <laughs> mm. But so basically like, that's just the two experiences that I had. And I, I feel like listen to how people talk about other people around them. Like, listen to are they lifting them up are they or are they tearing other people down are they trying to make them sound make themselves sound better than other people which i mean you should be proud of where you're at but if they're tearing around other people um be aware of that and then also listen to how much they talk about themselves like i mean like it, there's people who you know they talk about where they've been like they like they're in a like they just talk like I don't know, they present themselves in a professional way, but if they kind of sit there like, oh, well, I'm able to do this and this and this, and they just sound really arrogant about that, just kind of listen for that language. Mm. I don't know, there's just, it's, and maybe try and talk to other people about that person. Like, don't just go in expecting it to, like, don't just listen to them, listen to other people around. That was my mistake with the first internship is that I had people telling me, this might not be a good opportunity. And I went, no, no, like, I'm gonna be able to do great stuff. Right. And then it was exactly what they said it would be. <laughs> That's good. So, like, look for the red flags. Yeah. And also be aware of what you want to get out of it. Like, do you want to have a paying job? Or if you, if they can't pay, are they able to do something for you? Okay. Like, are you able to get so, some sort of compensation? But if nothing else, like, make sure you get paid. I will yes, say, Meg, on, on top of that, uh, also coming from a lawyer's daughter, get it in handwriting if mm -hmm. and like both of you sign it and date it mm -hmm. if if they say you're they're gonna pay you or you're gonna work this many hours to get paid mm -hmm. um because I've, I've gotten screwed on that on internships and I ended up having mm -hmm. to quit because I, I couldn't afford it and she didn't want me to get another job I didn't even think of that. Yeah, the first internship that I had was a legit job. Like I, it was a paying job. I couldn't just get it as an internship, so they had to hire me, hired me on, and I was on a salary. But this other internship, I had paperwork through the school, but I didn't actually have anything in writing. But also, I think I just got lucky with somebody who was very honest. <laughs> yeah, very, very honest and not like not shady in any sense of the word. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my spiel on internships going into internships. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that's it. I wish I'd heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to learn the hard way. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I know. We've both learned. We've all learned the hard way. Yeah, we yeah. did. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Oh, but that's why we started a podcast. That's and why actually, we're making this. Yeah. Last thing is also know what you want to get out of it. Like, why are you doing the yeah. internship? Why are you doing it? what purpose are you going for? And will it meet that purpose? Like I, the internship that I did this summer was, it was supposed to fulfill like an instruction like requirement, but I didn't go there for instruction. I went there for myself mm -hmm. like to grow and learn more horsemanship where I could have gone somewhere 
and actually taught, but that wasn't what I wanted or needed at that time. Okay, well, Meg, since you opened yeah. the door to that, uh, <laughs> why do you do it? Do the internship? I mean, anything. Why do you do horsemanship? Sorry, I, I had to leave the podcast for a moment. Your freaking cat. Sorry, what? <laughs> should I should I wait till you come back? I'm I'm here. Oh, okay. Um, so why do I do horsemanship? I'm still asking my question or asking myself that question. To be honest, I don't. I haven't quite found the answer. I'm still looking for it. Ooh. Why didn't mm. any of us do it? Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, if I really want to get to the nitty gritty, it's, I mean, I went through a really bad patch before this internship. Like, in some ways, this internship kind of, like, really opened my eyes to horsemanship in some ways, like, where I could go. But before that, like, I was honestly only continuing with horsemanship because I was like, I have dedicated so many years of my life. I don't see myself going anywhere. Like, I cannot let all of this be. <laughs> well, it wasn't just that. I was like, I my only education is truly in horsemanship. Like, mm. I would have like if I wanted to get into another industry. Like, I have a lot of interest in the gaming industry, but to actually try and break into that world, I would have to dedicate another ten years of just starting from scratch because I don't know any of like I know basics, but nothing to like put me into that industry. And, um, like, I don't know how to program. I don't know how to code. I don't know how to do any of that. So, like, it was just kind of like, man, this is this feels like the only thing I can do. But I was so lost. And now I'm kind of at a point where I think now where I'm at is I've been learning a lot of natural horsemanship for, you know, the last eight years or something. And um, now I want to break into the English world. And I feel like part of it is just determination to prove that natural horsemanship has a place in the English world. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like what well, is your definition of horsemanship meg i it's such a convoluted answer um i think it depends on who you ask for me it's just working with the horse in a way that makes sense to them to them like, as then makes sense to the horse yeah and like trying to communicate to the horse in a way that makes sense to them and it's not like necessarily like I don't, it's not necessarily the methods, but at least approaching the methods, like knowing how long do you actually have to hang in there for and how to get out and make it so that it's understandable to them where they want to keep seeking out that answer and feel comfortable. <laughs> like, I think it's more of like the mentality than the methods. It's more like if you're like, how long do you actually work on something? An hour or five minutes? Like, it's just the psychology, not less of what you're doing. Because anything can work if you put 110% into it. Within reason. Within reason. <laughs> That's so cool. I feel inspired by Meg's interview right now. I want to go work a bunch of horses. God, I wish I could. <laughs> right now, it's I like... know I want to go ride. <laughs> I want to go ride. That's Meg, so cool, I Meg. I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of what you said this what day is it friday this week then um I, I believe it was yesterday we were all talking and i think this is a a thing that's common in the horsemanship world um about like if you go to a public place or if you ride at a public place you you ride differently yeah I did and you that. feel that pressure and like i don't know i just want to hear a little bit about that 
how do I say this cohesively? Um, I don't know. So basically, there's a very limited facilities where I'm at right now. And um, one of the facilities that I can ride at, there are just a lot of people that ride in a way where they're almost trying to show off to each other. And so when I'm in that environment, um, I almost feel like I ride more negatively with my horses. Like I just get harder on them. I'm less forgiving on them. I'm focused. Like I am focused on them, but it's I, I just feel like my whole mentality changes and I don't feel like it's I'm trying to prove anything to anyone. I feel like I'm just so irked by that environment that I'm kind of taking mm. it out on them. Whereas if I'm able to just not to say that when I'm riding by myself, I don't I sometimes get in that headspace. Sure. <laughs> but I feel like it just kind of I it just kind of pulls it out in me. And so I I feel like what helps is riding with people that are just there having a good time. <laughs> or there that are just like enjoying riding with their horse because then I'm kind of like oh they're having a good time I want to have a good time <laughs> right not always so so like for the people though who don't have a choice like yeah. there there have been times where like in a work environment yeah I had to ride colts in front of people that had literally told me to my face I had yeah. no business you know <sighs> trying to be a colt starter um, yeah and I had to do that for years and years and years so like what advice would you have given how to deal with that being being kind of like forced to be in in an arena that's maybe not a really encouraging positive environment like what would you do to like stay in a positive mindset honestly that's really I have an easy answer that is not easy to do which okay. is which is very much like just go do your thing and ignore everyone else <laughs> but that's really, really hard to do because I've been in that environment where it's I had to go ride in an arena every day and just go deal with people that I and it was really hard to achieve that. Um, I don't know if I know the answer at this point of like, what do you do when you're in an environment like that? Because it's easy to say, well, just just do your thing, ignore what they're doing. But that's easier said than done. I think like, it's good advice. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I what I started this is this was when I was in a very low point in not just my horsemanship, but in my life, I would tell, I literally would tell myself, they can't say anything worse about me that I haven't already said about myself. Oh, that makes me so sad. But <laughs> also, I relate to that. <laughs> and so, right? like, and I, like, I'm not saying this is good advice, and I'm not saying this is advice at all, but it got, it got to a point where it was like, I'm saying things that are not, and also, because granted, they weren't saying anything mean to me, it's just, it was just the vibe of, like, I kind of felt a little ostracized. So it was like, that's kind of what got me through at that point. And that's not a good mentality to have. Right. Um, yeah, it's hard to know what the environment is. Like maybe like the only thing I can say is try and find moments when you can just ride by yourself if possible. Yeah, that's to get a, Or just get out of the arena and go do something by your like by yourself. Like even if you don't go ride, brush your horse, go take him on a hand walk or something or just go ride, plot around the property. Like just get away from that environment as much as you can. Like get away from the arena if possible right. <laughs> i know i know meg when i ride with headphones on that yeah help i would but they fall out like of in your you're you're in your own space kind of that's a good idea i never have done that i did that what? so much in my last job like oh my gosh <laughs> it saved me so many days to just have music playing <laughs> yeah well, wow i, was I should do that well, I was thinking, like, if you're in a lesson format and you're surrounded by people, like, you just don't have the ability to put in headphones. Right. Like, I was, like, take chances to just get away from the arena when you aren't in those environments. Like, just go enjoy your horse. Get away from the crowd if you can. 
Because yeah. if you're forced to be in that environment, it's really hard to deal with it. I don't know what the best advice is. It's just no. try and do your thing. And yeah, you might be aware of other people talking about you, but just focus on what you're doing and be proud of what you're achieving. I love if that. You can. That's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> advice doesn't always have to be easy, but it's still good. Yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to achieve. <laughs> and Meg, I yeah. often found out that people that sit there and judge you want to mm-hmm. be you. <laughs> yeah sometimes sometimes i was sometimes around people just mean but some but yes i also think there is that too although i will say like sometimes there were people who like were you know really not judgmental but i could tell they were judgmental and they were doing things that i couldn't do on horses and i'm not saying they were like i'm not gonna say they were far superior to me but they were able to achieve something things that i was still struggling on with my horses so it's right. like it, it's still like they weren't necessarily sitting there sitting there like not doing anything on their horse but I could just tell that vibe so I had to I feel like if I could go back into that environment where I am now I just try and focus more on like these are the good things stop focusing so much on the bad and start focusing on the good Mm -hmm. as much as I can like wow that was a horrible ride but hey I got that thing at least yeah and that's so powerful because then that shifts like what you're saying what I hear from what you're saying is that like shifts your focus from what everybody else is doing and saying to yeah. what you're doing and saying. And really at the end of the day, our actions are the only thing we can control. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. focusing on like you're saying what 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 is something good you did today? You know, yeah. is like that's actually really powerful. I wish I'd done that more. Like now I'm kind of in a lucky position where I can be a little more picky where I ride to some extent. Right. And I wish I'd thought of that then and somebody Mm -hmm. had told me that but I was around so many people that only picked on whatever I was doing wrong there was no good that I was doing right and so I wish somebody had stopped at some point and said what is the one good thing and cherish that (sighs) I'm so sorry (laughs) you went through that it makes me so mad (laughs) it's fine fine. it's fine it's fine well it's it's I'm I'm working through it I've I've got I'm no longer involved with any of that I want to hear your take on uh because it's kind of been a a theme across all of us that we like came out of uh, an English world and got really into this horsemanship stuff. And now we're all like creeping back towards the English world. <laughs> we're so, coming. <laughs> so I actually so, didn't even start in the English world. Sorry, finish yeah, your question. But I, I, I really want to go back to like, what was that transition like for you going from like dressage lessons and then getting really into the Buck Branham and stuff and eventually more of the natural horsemanship in Montana? Like, and then how do you want to mesh all of that back together when you start training dressage horses? Um, so when I was getting into dressage, it was like literally simultaneously the Buck thing. But the okay. difference between the two is that I could take dressage lessons. Buck only showed up every other year. Mm-hmm. And then there was no one in my area who taught natural horsemanship in any form. Like I could go to cutting trainers, but they aren't doing natural horsemanship. And so like I was getting really seeped into the dressage stuff, but my heart was still saying, I really want to do that. It's just, I can't, this is the closest to any form of refinement. Like before I started taking dressage lessons, leads weren't uh, ever on my mind. Like it was dressage that taught me a lot of that arena riding. And then um when I wanted to start going to college and seeking out more natural horsemanship which is why I went to Montana um so when I moved um I really liked a lot of what I was learning with the dressage like a lot of the refinement but when I and I was 
kind of cocky, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know how to do dressage. I know a little bit about horsemanship. Uh, and then I started getting into cult starting. And that was the moment when I realized, wow, dressage works on a finished horse. But when it comes to colts, um, I th- this dressage is not going to help me anymore. You cannot ride a colt like a dressage horse, at least in the methods that we were using. Like you can do the more slow process, but at least the colt starting, I was learning. You had to you have to ride so differently, like quote unquote incorrectly. And I had to change my entire seat from dressage where I was riding with longer stirrups and more floppy in the saddle to having to really jack up my stirrups and make my whole body more stable. Because mm-hmm. the dressage is a lot of like fluid motion, like more just like trying to go with the horse, which is what you're doing in natural horsemanship or when you're cold starting, but you're doing it in a different way. It's like you're a little bit more hunched down rather than trying to sit up tall. You're a little bit more like, I need to stay close to this horse as much as I can. <laughs> the way I think of it is like the first couple of rides on a horse, you're kind of like riding defensively in terms yeah. of you're staying a little bit behind the movement. You're staying yeah. kind of more like deep on your pockets than you would mm-hmm. ride norm. Like I don't, the way I ride a colt in the first five rides is not how I sit most horses, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. it's definitely not how I go trot out across the pasture to move cows you know it's it's different yeah no you're good (laughs) no you're good uh no what I was gonna say is like I it like cult starting really showed me like yeah there is a lot of good dressage but a lot of times you have to throw out all of that refinement and just stay alive there gets to a point where it's like it's survival. You mm-hmm. you can't care about how you're holding the rein, how you're sitting, how your foot placement is. Sometimes it's just, oh my God, I, I gotta live. I because <laughs> <laughs> like not all colts are bad. Like I've I had one colt that was probably one of the nicest I ever started. She never bucked with me once, like super gentle, but I still had to ride differently with her. But anyway, mm-hmm. so um I feel like even when I was doing dressage, like I was still saturated in the Western and I wanted to pursue, like when I was doing dressage, my goal was to get into Vaquero. Oh, and okay. Like that's what I really wanted to do. Now so much, now I'm kind of like, eh, Vaquero is cool. I just want to learn how to train a horse and ride a horse and make mm-hmm. it nice. Make if it I- go to Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I was always wanting to do natural horsemanship, but then it was just like such a wake up call going to cult starting. And now that I've like learned some cult starting, which I'm still on the fence, if I even like doing the first rides, <laughs> it scares me. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> Valid, valid. Uh, but now I'm kind of like, wow, I've noticed like a huge difference with my horses, like where I just focused on uh, natural horsemanship and I'm using natural horsemanship because it's a familiar term. I'm just thinking horsemanship in general. Sure. Uh, but then I'm starting to apply more of that to my horses and I'm noticing like people will talk about how long it takes to get a horse into the frame and get into a correct frame. And I'm like, it's taken me a long time to get there because I've been learning horsemanship, but the more I learn about horsemanship, the easier it gets to get my horse into a frame. Mm, okay. And it's, like, less I, of a process, and I feel like it's it, like, helps the horse not necessarily do the movements correctly, but it helps the horse get into the right frame of mind to do the things that they can do in, in the English world. Like, makes it learn faster, almost. It's like, it's like I, for me, it's, like, more about the psychology, teaching the horse how to have a work ethic and... Uh, like putting the work ethic and the mindset from horsemanship into that world, into the eventing world, or at least the dressage world. <laughs> no, I'm good. 
this might be a little bit off topic, but I'm I'm really curious. <laughs> um, what your thoughts are on dressage as a sport versus dressage as a concept? Um, but let me let me let me expand on that a little bit because I kind of feel like we use dressage as like the name of the sport, right? When you're going to Grand Prix or doing that phase in eventing or whatever, like it's the name of a sport. But I feel like at its core and how I tend to think about dressage is as like how you said natural horsemanship is really a mental con like a mentality, like a concept. I feel like dressage is almost the physical half of that, like teaching a horse how to use its body correctly. Mm -hmm. And that could be done with natural horsemanship methods. So do you have a distinction there or how do you feel about that? So with my horses, I've been doing like quote unquote, what people would call quote unquote dressage, but I don't call it dressage because so I feel like, I don't know, it's complicated. Like, I don't know what to say it as say of dressage is like a way of just riding rather than a sport. But what I do know is that a lot of people go, oh, it's the original way of riding. Well, so <laughs> I went deep into this. I was like, I kept hearing people say this, like, this is like the original form of horsemanship. This is like exclusively dressage. If you're doing anything dressage, like you're doing dressage, like no questions asked. So I went deep dive into this and um, like, yes, horsemanship started back in BC with that guy that I can't remember the name of. Like he was the first horseman of Zenophon the whole or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that guy. I have a friend. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> what I will say is like, yes, technically dressage did descend from that, but wouldn't have all horsemanship descended from that. And if people were able to see what he was doing, would they even recognize that as dressage? Sure. Because like, it's the first form of like communicating with the horse or like the like first like quote unquote modern way. But um, when you look at like the history of like ranching and Vaquero, they were doing dressage. But, mm -hmm, and they yeah. never had any contact with dressage riders. Like these were Spaniards in like uh, encroaching on like the Middle Eastern regions where they were using those movements, a lot of the movements, and they'd never had any contact with, you know, European society that was developing more. So I like, I see like, I, it, it maybe it's simpler for people to use the term dressage, but I just see it as horsemanship. Okay. And then this dressage. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> because like, and also. Like the other thing is like dressage really wasn't that open to people. Like it was very, yeah. very elitist. First it was like the military, the European militaries that were using mm -hmm. dressage, dressage, like what people would call dressage. And meanwhile, like ranchers who like bare like had one pair of clothes that they owned <laughs> like their whole life probably. Um, Not on the like wild they, west frontier. <laughs> yeah. Well, like even before they came to the US and then when they came to the US, like they were doing their form of dressage and they were doing like some form of dressage. And it wasn't really until like the mid 1900s, if not later, that it became open to the public. Like it was a very coveted yeah. thing. So like I see, like, I don't know if this answers the question, but like, okay. I see it like does. the dressage movements yeah. as like, I don't know, like I, like I do implement dressage into my writing, but I don't call it dressage. I just call it sure horsemanship like I'm just implementing it because it just has like the forms themselves have such a long history that have diverged throughout the world that have never even interconnected before <laughs> yeah it's cool. I totally see what you're saying I I am kind of of the mind that it's like almost inherently harmful to to classify dressage as a sport rather than just like true proper dressage is the horse moving correctly so it can kind of be used as a blanket term for training, I but I can like, see how, like, I, I can see. No, they are I two different things. They're saying, two different like, things. Like, 
there is the competitive dressage, and then there's mm-hmm. like the more fundamental dressage. I know. I I just get so frustrated when I see like show jumpers or something being like, "Well, I show jump, I don't do dressage." Well, it's like you do flat work. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why <laughs> I say. That's why, like, on my resume, it says that I've been taught in dressage and show jumping because, yeah. like, every flat lesson, and we hadn't, like, growing up, jumping full time all the time, or showing all the time, like, in jumpers, but, like, four days a week, at least, we were doing shoulder ins, leg yields, mm-hmm. lead changes, collection, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah everything about how we rode outside of the part where we jumped or going over the jump but the riding in between the jumps was like everything mm-hmm. went back sorry yeah yeah yes yes yeah, yeah. So like no, i guess i like, see yeah. dressage is like i don't like calling it dressage because i would i don't want to put a label on it i'd rather see it as like a way another way of refining horsemanship but like yeah. i don't really want it to be like oh well it's better than horsemanship and horsemanship can't do that because if you're doing horsemanship, theoretically, you're already doing dressage. And then if you're doing dressage, it could be benefited by doing horsemanship. <laughs> well, like, I think, yeah, I sorry, think wanting ahead. to have that. No, it's fine. I think wanting to have that distinction comes from the fact we've segregated dressage so much as its mm-hmm. own sport now that everybody's like, well, we don't do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's one of the things. Movements. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I read about, like, when I was looking into the history of dressage, like, I this is going to probably be a very hard pill to swallow, but it is inherently classist. Like I said, like it was a very coveted discipline in the 1900s and it wasn't even available to the public for so long. And it was very much only the rich could do this. And a lot of that mentality with dressage has really, really carried on like people. And I'm not saying it's just dressage. We're talking about dressage, but it's like in all, like this permeates all disciplines. It's not just exclusively dressage. But um, like there's very there's so much classism with dressage mm-hmm. that carried on that people who like covet dressage, they they can be very open minded. I'm not saying they all aren't, but a lot of the times it's like, oh, you do your you have a Western saddle. Oh, you do horsemanship. You do natural horsemanship. Like there's very much right. like, oh, well, then you aren't really, truly riding your horse when <laughs> there's so many <laughs> ways to skin a cat. <laughs> like, for example, I had someone ask me when. But okay, yes, but in defense, okay. Here, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play a little bit of the opposite side of this conversation. Um, in defense of people who are saying, like, yeah, well, for example, like hunter jumpers is what I grew up in, and specifically the jumper ring. Like, if you're not doing this, then you must be like, and you're you're doing something called like horsemanship, quote unquote, like you must be like what trail riding and trail riding for mm-hmm. equestrian sports is like what they do on their day off. You know, that's like yeah. the thing they do fun for to like let the horses go out on a hack, you know. Yeah. So like, I feel like so like in defense of those people who might say like, yeah but you're not really riding your horse like where I grew up there was such a a void of Mm -hmm. like uh, between English people who had English saddles on their horses and people who had western saddles Mm -hmm. their horses Mm -hmm. and like there was no like um conversations there was no like sharing of information and sharing of knowledge 
Mm-hmm. Um, probably that goes back to like what you're saying with like the classes, like it goes way, 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 way back in the history of like classism yeah. stuff. But like, I feel like for the people I grew up around, they would just be like, what does that even mean? Yeah. What are you even doing? You must be trail riding, you know? Yeah. Like, and not necessarily because if they knew it, they would think that, but maybe just because of a real lack of exposure in their own industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, that's the thing is, like, I, when I say a lot of people, it's, like, very, I'm using a blanket term that does not apply to everyone. (laughs) No, and I, like, but I, but I've experienced exactly what you just said. Yeah. You know, like, I went to France, Mm -hmm. and I said, I start cults, and they had cults for me to start, like, immediately, and I said, I grew up and jumping, and they were like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> the girl thinks she can jump, you know, and one day randomly they're like, set up a cross rail for her, you know, just set it up. And it's like, I jumped that and then it just progressively got bigger and bigger until like the next week I was jumping their Grand Prix horses, you know, <laughs> you know, like literally it was very like, but they were like, oh, okay, here's more horses to ride. We're busy. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. But I do think like, you know, um, there is like, that's why I get so excited with you, Meg. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hijack, but you know how I get, but I get excited for you with like your like visions for your business and like kind of like crossing that gap between like horsemanship and equestrian sports, you know, because I feel hopeful about that. This is the last thing I'm going to say. And then you guys can tell me to shut the hell up. I feel hopeful about that because I grew up in love with equestrian sports. Like just yeah. loved it. Like lived for it. Still to this day, I just sit around and watch videos of people jumping horses like all day every day. Yeah. And but for me, I came to a point where I had a very um mentally um I don't know what's the word to use, like mentally broken down show jumping horse who I loved very much. And I had to make a decision between continuing the sport that I loved or understanding how to help my horse Mm -hmm. mentally with behavioral issues, like very serious, you know, behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. And I had to make a choice right then and there. I couldn't do, I couldn't continue the sport that I loved and was so passionate about and help my horse at the same time. Yeah. And like people like you really encouraged me because I feel like the next generation of riders, because of people like you, they won't have to give up the thing they love to do what they believe is right. Yeah. By their horse, you know? (laughs) So anyways, you inspired it's been really interesting to watch the shift even among some of the top riders in in Uh the English world these days who are like realizing that their horses perform better when they are turned out regularly and they're prioritizing hoof health and right like doing all of like solving all of these management issues and all of a sudden they start jumping better and their times get faster and like everything improves and now these riders are you know starting to win a lot more right (laughs) and they have really sound horses and really happy horses because 
they're prioritizing the fact that the horse needs to be a horse. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And it'll be so like, cool to see Meg in all of that. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> there's, there's so much irony in, like... <laughs> yeah, I was thinking earlier, there's so much irony in the fact that, like, you know, people you grew up around, Ava, like, were like, what does horsemanship even mean? Like, that's your tr- your day off trail riding and stuff. And the irony being that, like, their horses can't even handle going out on the trails because they're so stressed out. And, like, right. yeah. that whole side of it is just super sad to see. So... Yeah, I'm really excited for what Meg has planned, too. (laughs) And that wasn't even that long ago. I mean, that was that was 13 years ago. And I feel like just in the last 13 years of watching the horse industry, like you're saying, Anna, there has been a shift. There's definitely been more sharing of information. One of my heroes uh, in the eventing world, Jim Wofford, you know, like. Uh, he uh, he's been involved with like horsemanship clinicians and stuff and he's won like medals in the olympics and like coached mm-hmm. the olympic eventing team i mean like mm-hmm. like he's like the most legit eventer on the planet <laughs> you know yeah. one of them at least and and he like you can see people like that who have that much expertise and that much knowledge like valuing kind of like this holistic approach to the horse yeah so anyways yeah. let's ask meg a last question Shall we? Yeah. Sure. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, oh, Meg. I think- this is the Instagram caption, right? Oh, is that? Oh, we're already wrapped up? Oh, oh, we're going Are to we? the... It's- I don't know. It feels like we're 49 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's wrap. Um, I keep getting handed the final question, so I'm just going to take it without even being asked. Do it. <laughs> so, all right, Meg, to finish this off, what's the one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Okay, so I started uh, doing like mental health therapy, like counseling and everything, because I just had so much baggage in like that I collected from the horsemanship world. And I was at such a low point that I like I couldn't see how to keep going without like doing therapy. And so when I started talking to this person who knows nothing about horses, I have been teaching her everything. (laughs) And I mean, like, yeah, literally, like, uh, like, I'll be telling her about dressage. And then I have to go the prancy thing. And then she's like, okay. (laughs) Like she knows nothing about the horsemanship world. And so then I'd be like talking about like my skills in the horsemanship world, or I'd just be like, yeah, like I, uh, right now I just don't have a lot to offer the horse and like all these different things. So what she started, so she started saying this thing at the end of every session because she was like, why are you talking like that to your, like, why are you talking like that? So my caption would be, be kind to yourself. That's she says that at the end of every session. <laughs> be kind to yourself. Mm. So that'd be my Instagram caption. I love it. Anyway, so that's mm. my Instagram caption. I love it. This is so fun. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Real Life Horsemanship. We hope you enjoyed listening to our guest today. And if you'd like to keep up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. 